Welcome to the In and Around Pleasant Hill podcast with Alex Cotadad, a successful real estate business owner and a lifelong resident of the East Bay, who received a Hometown Hero Award for his Facebook group, In and Around Pleasant Hill Food and Drinks, saving local restaurants during the pandemic. His new podcast will provide inspiring success stories and educational takeaways from local business owners and community leaders, helping listeners get from where they are to where they want to be. Hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to my first episode of In and Around Pleasant Hill podcast with Alex Cotadat. In my first episode, I will be talking to you about my story of why I live a life of contribution. As always, do me a favor, subscribe and let your friends know by my new podcast. I hope to make this podcast an inspirational and an educational journey for all by me interviewing local business owners and community leaders about their success stories. So now let's get into it and talk about why I live a life of contribution. So today I wanna talk to you about my story. It wasn't always successful story, you know, I didn't start being in the top 5%, you know, real estate agent in the Bay Area, you know, went through a lot of struggle. So anyways, I came to America when I was 10 years old. I came with my mom to America when I was 10 years old. And, uh, you know, my mom was a nurse back in Iran. And before we left Iran to come to America, as a child, I witnessed the revolution. I witnessed the war. I saw a lot. And because my mom wanted me to have a better opportunity, she brought me to America. But because of her language barrier, she couldn't get a job as a nurse because she was a nurse back home in Iran. She couldn't get a job here as a nurse and she had to settle and work at a convalescent home. Now there's nothing wrong with working at a convalescent home, but obviously when you are someone as a nurse and you know that the pay and the, everything, um, it was, it puts a, it impacts you. But anyways, so she came, she started working uh, at a convalescent home and me, I started to, because I wanted to help my mom, I started helping her at the age of 11. And what I was doing is I was doing door to door selling subscriptions to USA Today. I wanted to make sure I was able to help my mom. And fast forward, this was 1982. Fast forward in 1985, we were able to get our first place. We got a one bedroom uh, apartment actually right here in Pleasant Hill. And, and, and it was so exciting because we had lived in a room for the first two, three years. So we got a, a, a one bedroom and you know uh, obviously I was uh, working, but then by that time I had gone from working at USA Today, that was my first job selling door-to-door subscription, I went and I was working for a company called Oakland Tribune, doing the same thing. So I was able to help my mom and I never forget, I was, you know, I bought the first TV, we brought home, I was able to help my mom with the furniture, you know, back in 19, that was 1984. I was making something around $100 a week. That was a lot of money for a child. Uh, making for anybody making that kind of money back then. Typically, you can rent a one bedroom apartment in Pleasant Hill back in 1984, probably for like five, 600 bucks a month. And I was making $400 a month, $100 a week helping my mom. And I never forget that, you know, that the excitement when we subscribe for um, uh, HBO, we had, you know, we got HBO for the first time and it was such a wonderful feeling. Uh, so I was able to help my mom 
And then obviously after that, you know, fast forward, I went to college um, and my mom, um, you know, she, she kept working until 19, I believe it was 1988, 89. And because of carpal tunnel and um, she had to go on disability. So in 1989, I graduated from high school and, you know, having an entrepreneur because my parents, when I was two years old, my parents had uh, uh, separated, but my father was an entrepreneur and I had that in me also too. So the entrepreneurship I got from my dad and the coming from a life of contribution, I picked that up from my mom. So I had the, you know, mix up the entrepreneurship but also always coming from contribution. So, you know, of me living in America with my mom, you know, obviously my father wasn't here. He had remarried and he, he was living in Iran. I, I wanted to impress my dad. I wanted my dad to be proud of me. Um, you know, so every time we would talk over the phone, I would tell him that one day I'm going to become a successful man and I'm going to make you proud. And what I did is when I graduated, obviously, I put myself through college. I was going to Diablo Valley College for the first two years. And I never forget that I, um, I, I went to a DVC and I had uh, the, our counselor and I asked the counselor and I said, hey, you know, I like business. I'm an entrepreneur. I want to be in business. What major do you recommend I should be in? And um, I never forget him. The gentleman said, well, you know, there's many, there's marketing, there's business administration, there's accounting, there's finance, there's a variety of what do you want? I said, I want, I want the most, the most difficult major in business. I want something that is difficult, but I also want something that um, I'd be able to open a business one day. And he said, well, you know, you can try accounting or you can try finance. I chose accounting and it's funny because it doesn't even go with my personality, but I, I, I did it. I, I wanted to prove to my dad that, you know, Hey, look at me, you know, I'm here, you know, raise myself with my, you know, my mom pretty much raising me, you know, I want to make, I want to make him proud. So I went um, and, and I got my um, uh, accounting degree from San Francisco state. And when I finished uh, with my accounting degree, I started a, a business. We were doing art sales. Um, you know, we were selling artwork and all the different colleges in front of grocery stores. And it was a very successful business that, that I was running, but I had just finished college, but I still wanted more. I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, go and see what else I can do with my education. I wanted to finish it and put it to the side. So I would never have any regrets in my life to say, you know, I wish I would have went to school. I wish I just wanted to get it done because for me, it was always about proving it to my dad, you know, obviously to my mom, because she brought me to America by herself, the struggle that she went through. I wanted to make her proud. She was here with me, but I also wanted to make my father proud. So then I, I, I went back, I talked to another counselor at San Francisco State, and I said, I went, what do I do? What's the next level? They said, well, you can go get your MBA. And I said, well, how much is that going to cost me? And they said, well, that'll cost you about $50,000. I said, what else can I do? They said, well, you're an accounting major. You can go get your CPA. And I said, really? I said, how much will that cost me? They said, well, a couple thousand dollars, but it's a very hard exam. Like only 10, 15, 20% of the people pass the first time. It is harder than the bar exam. And I love challenge. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go for that. 
and that's what I did. So while I was running my business, I had to obviously, you know, being a CPA, you had to get a job working in public accounting. So uh, my first job, I was able to get a job working as a sales tax auditor for state of California. Um, and that was uh, back in 98, 90, 97, 98, uh, 98, yeah, 98 or between 97, 98 or 98, 99, I'm not sure exactly when. So I started working there. I was a tax auditor for state of California. Then I became a senior tax auditor, but obviously it was a government job and I wanted more than that. I want, you know, I, I'm, remember I come from entrepreneurship. I wanted, I wanted to have the education but I also wanted to be able to, you know, expand and start my own business. So then, you know, while I was doing that, I wanted to get my hours, but then obviously the state said, I'm sorry, you cannot get your CPA hours here. And, you know, becoming a CPA, you back then, you need to get 500 hours of auditing. You need to have that signed off and then you can go take your exam obviously and then pass. So that didn't work. And at the same time, I was still studying for my CPA and I was running my business. So I was running a business on the side. I was working for the government and I was studying for my CPA all at the same time because I want, you know, I love challenge and I wanted to make sure I get this thing done. So then fast forward 99, I got a job working in public accounting and public accounting. They assured me that they would sign off on my hours. So I was there 99 and 2000. And I remember the last day that I worked for anybody was March of 2000. I walked into our uh, to our office. Uh, the gentleman's name was John Jefford. He was a partner at um, Hood and Strong. I walked in and I said, John, I want to thank you for everything. I believe I have over a thousand hours now but I, can you please sign off? And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, absolutely, Alex, I will definitely sign up. You've done so much for us, for, you know, for, for a company, but I always knew that accounting was just, in, it was in you. So he signed off, I took my CPA, I passed it, and I never looked back since March of 2000, I never looked back and I never worked for anybody else ever again. And then I went ahead and, you know, while I was working as an, and the um, board of equalization, I had a really good friend of mine. And I remember he used to always say, go get your broker's license, go get your broker's license. So when I left at 2000, I was still running my art business and I was making a lot of money. I just wasn't ready yet. But then around 2003 or so, we met up again and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go get my broker's license also too. So I already had my CPA. I already had my degree in accounting. I was like, you know what? Let me go get my broker's license. And I didn't even go work for anybody. I just dived right into it and I went and got, I didn't even get a real estate license. I just went ahead and I got my broker's license. And that was uh, at 2005. So in 2005, I got my broker's license and then I decided to say, you know what, I want to, um, I, I, think, I think this is a new venture. And around that time, the market was slowly starting to shift and our art business wasn't as doing as well. And I didn't feel fulfilled. I felt like, you know, I, I wanted to do more. And I thought that, you know, there was a new chapter for me to something, start something new. So then what I decided to do, I said, you know what, I think I'm going to get my broker's license, which I did, and I'm just going to start my own company. So then I started my own uh, real estate company in November of 2005, and I incorporated it, and I believe it was like April, June of 2006. And going back, I just I have one thing I just remembered now. Um, 
and 99, 2000, I met up with a friend of mine that I hadn't seen since we were children when we used to do door-to-door, uh, -door, uh, uh, you know, selling subscriptions to Oakland Tribune. And he had become very successful. When I met up with him in 99, you know, uh, we, we met and we started talking. And then, you know, I said, hey, you know, I'm really happy that you're very, very successful. What's your secret? And then he's like, hey, you need to read all these different books. And I remember one of the books that I read that truly inspired me and it changed my life forever a lot of you guys have probably heard of him it was robert kiyosaki rich dad poor dad that book literally changed my life and what it did it shifted inside it shifted my mindset i mean i just never looked at anything the same again and in exactly the same year that i was reading that book is actually when i purchased my first investment property in 99 because back then i was still working for the government out you know i was making decent income and I, and I bought my first duplex, you know, reading that book just inspired me to like, you know, move. So that's why, you know, I, I, I'm always, I believe, you know, motivational is wonderful, you know, getting motivated, listening to motivational speaking is wonderful, but I truly believe that there's that moment that something needs to happen, right? You need to just get inspired. I mean, you can get inspired by a child. They can, it could be a positive, event that happens to you or a negative event that happens to you and it just triggers and you get inspired and you never your mindset shifts and you never think the same again so now after reading all those books and still running my business and then getting into the um uh, beginning a real estate business another book that i read was by a gentleman named zig ziglar and you know as a child growing up you know my, i always wanted to give 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 because like especially i wanted to help my mom because i saw the struggle that she went through for me and i and she always taught me she says son always come from contribution and that's what i wanted to do i wanted to always come from contribution and i remember i read a book once by zig ziglar and he said serve to as many people get what they want and you will get what you want. And, and that was something that I always was doing. I always, even when I was working for the government or if I was working in public accounting, I always try to help my you know, uh, colleagues at work. Anything I can do, I try to always come from contribution. So, and even when I had my art business for years, every year we would donate to uh, Oakland Children's Hospital because I just, I was grateful. I was thankful to God that had blessed me that, you know, here I was, came to America with my mom, lived in a room for three years, and then in, you know, uh, three, four years, and then in 85, getting on play, I saw the struggle. I saw, I saw what it did to my mom, you know, and it's like, it was heartbreaking, but I, I did my best and, and I wanted to make her proud. And, 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 and I think I accomplished that. So anyways, in 2005, when I got into the real estate business, the first couple of years was really, really good. It was just me. I had a small office right here in Concord. And then 2007 happened and the market just started to slow down and it slowed down and slowed down. And then around the same time, I remember I was doing an event and and, you know, back then we still had pagers, okay? I remember uh, my uh, pager was vibrating and I couldn't talk because I was I was doing an event. And when I finished the event, I looked at my phone and I saw a, a call from my tenant. And that first property that I had purchased, that duplex in Concord, you know, by that time, by 2007, I already had uh, purchased another property. I had rented that out, but one of the units, I had given it to my mom so she can live there. And I had moved, so the tenant that lived next to my mom, she called me, she said, your mom is sick, you need to, um, 
uh, you know, come, she's in the hospital right now. Back then it was Ma Diablo Hospital. Now it's obviously it's John Muir Concord. So then I, you know, I, I left the uh, meeting. I drove back. I'm thinking, you know what? My mom maybe just got the flu or something, you know, but she's going to be okay. So this was 2007 and I never forget that because it was May of 2007. So I came to the hospital. I saw my mom and then, you know, my relationship with my mom was very close for a lot of folks that know me personally knew how close I was to my mom. I mean, my mom was my life. She was my mom. She was my dad. Yes, I had a father, but obviously, like I said, my parents got divorced when I was two years old. She was like my idol. She was everything to me. So anyways, um, she, um, you know, I, I, I came to the hospital and then the doctor came into the room and he says, hey, I just want to let you know, you know, we found a mass inside of your mom. And I didn't understand what that meant. What do you mean mass? They said, well, we need to have a revisit re and you guys need to come back in a couple of weeks. So I waited a couple of weeks and then I came, you know, we waited and a couple of weeks later, we came back to the hospital with my mom. And then obviously we, we met with another doctor and then he, you know, he said, I need to, you know, son, I need to talk to you in another room. So, you know, obviously my mom, I told my mom, I'll be right back. And I walked into the other room and I said, what's going on, doctor? And remember, this is around 2000. Seven. This is when the market, the real estate market is slowing down. Our business was like everything was slowly like crumbling. Right. And, and then he said, son, I just want to let you know that your mom was diagnosed with cancer. She has stage two cancer and it's colon cancer. And she probably has less than two years to live. I mean, just imagine you're in a room with a doctor and a doctor is telling you your mom is going to die less than two years. I mean, like underneath my feet i it was like i couldn't move i couldn't breathe I, I i just literally i dropped to the ground right there and i just started crying and and then he said i'm sorry son i'll give you five minutes and i understand you know a lot of these doctors they see this every day to them it's normal but to me it wasn't normal because again my mom was my life right so i i, I cried for like 10 15 minutes and then he came back into the room and he said son I need to tell your mom this. Do you want to go tell her or do you want me to go tell her? And I'm like, doctor, can you just please give me a moment? So anyways, I went into the room and I talked to my mom. And for a lot of you that a lot of people that know my mom, they knew how funny my mom was. And my mom just took life like she never took life serious. She was she always had a smile on her face. And she said, son, it's OK. It's you know, I said, you know, and, and I held her in my arm. I said, mom, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure, you know, you're going to be okay. And I, and from that day, from that day, which I believe it was June, it was right before my birthday of 2008, 2007, until her death of November 19 of 2008, I was with her every day. Remember, my real estate business was falling apart. The whole, the whole industry was going down the drain. I was with my mom every day every day i would one of the favorite places she used to love to go to was cash creek so i would take her to cash creek with my aunt and on the way i would ask her stories like mom when you were a kid what did you like to eat mom and she always asked me she would say why are you asking me all these questions i'm like mom i love you i just want and the reason why i was asking her because i knew my mom all my life but i really wanted to know my mom even more like mom what was your what did you do as a child mom i mean i just really wanted I wanted to consume as much of her inside of me as I could. You know, I don't know if you want to call that being selfish, but she was everything to me. So, and around the same time, 
um, uh, you know, uh, she's going through all that, you know, my heart is like melting and it's amazing what they say. They say God closes one door and God opens another door, right? And, 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 and eventually, you know, before she passed away, um, I met my wife, I met my future wife. We met, um, you know, and, and I, I just knew she was the one I knew it. And I remember my mom had been hospitalized for two months. Um, and eventually we had to take her to physical therapy to, you know, um, for about a month. So while she was there, you know, I did an event and, 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 and my wife back then we were just dating. So I told her, I said, you know what, Tina, I said, I want to take you to this place. I want you to meet somebody. She didn't know where I was taking her. We finished the event around 10 o'clock at night and we left the event and then we went, it was a, a, a place in, in, in Walnut Creek. We went in there and, and, and she's like, where are we going? It was in a hospital. So it was a, a facility for, you know, a, a nursing facility to take care of elderly people that were going through a rehab. So we walk inside and my mom is sleeping. Honest to God, it was 11 o'clock at night. And I wake up my mom. I go, mom, there's somebody here I want you to meet. And then she opens up her eyes. And I said, mom, this is Tina. So she got up, she held Tina in her arm. She kissed her and she turned around and she looked at me. She said, son, she's the one. First time ever met my uh, wife. She said, son, she's the one. She met Tina for five times and then she passed away. And, and I remember, you know, as you know, while I was dating my, you know, uh, future wife and, and at the same time, like, you know, just taking care of my mom, going through chemotherapy. You know, I remember um, uh, uh, and John Muir and Concord, you know, they have this uh, PE marker, they call it, that if it goes below a certain amount, that that means that their uh, 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 cancer is in remission. So um, it got very, very low. And then the nurse is like, yeah, your mom's PE marker is less than four. And I was like, so excited. I told the doctor, I said, doctor, is it possible, please, for the last time I can take my mom? I want to take her to... Iran one more time so she can visit her family. Is it please possible? She wants to see her sister. And he said, you know what, son, I think it should be fine. So then I took my mom, we got on a plane, we went back to Iran. She got to see her sister. She was very, very happy. And then there was a very um, religious holy shrine that she wanted to go to that she used to take me as a child. Um, it was in Tehran. So while we're going there, on the way there, when we got there, when we got out of the car, all of a sudden my mom's like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. So we had to hospitalize my mom for two days. She was uh, hospitalized for two days in a hospital in Iran. And I remember because my father, you know, obviously every time I would go back to Iran, I would go see my dad and my dad knew what's happening. So my dad came to the hospital to visit my mom. You know, remember they got divorced when I was two years old and here I am. At that time, I'm in, my, I'm in my 30s. So they had already been divorced for over 30 something years. So he came in there and my mom, you know, she was on oxygen, obviously. And then she saw him. She opened up her eyes and she started crying. She got up, you know, she hugged him. And she's and then this is something I'll never forget. She, she looked at my dad and she goes, you know, I still love you very, very much. It was such a sad moment. But, um, but at least she got to see my dad. She got to say goodbye to my aunt to my, you know, all her family in Iran. And then, and then um, while we were there, you know, she was there for two days. Um, obviously I had to bring her back to America. So then I talked to the doctor, I said, hey, what's going on? And he says, you know what? I'm sorry, son, her cancer has got to her lungs now. Like you need to get her back to the US 
if you want to bury your mom in America, you need to get her back ASAP. And that's what I did. So what I, I, I we got on a, the next plane, thank God. And I was able to bring her back. And that I believe was May of 2008. And she died six months later. She was able to come home for another few more months. And after that, it was, you know, pretty much for, for the last three months or so, pretty much she was in the hospital. So while she was in the hospital, I'm dating my future wife and, and, you know, and, 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 and I'm thinking like, you know, God, I really wanted my mom, you know, to see my engagement and my wedding, you know, I don't really have too many regrets in my life, but that's one thing that, you know, I wish I would have met my wife earlier, but you know, just things just don't, you know, everything is meant to be. So, so what happened was, um, my, I, um, my mom, you know, she was in the hospital and Tina's mom had went to Iran and I never forget her mom came back to America and Tina asked her mom that, you know, uh, Alex's uh, mom is in the hospital, John Muir in Walnut Creek, and she's in coma. Is it possible that you can come by and see her? Tina told her mom. So her mom had just got to the airport. She gets in the car, like her, you know, I think Tina, they, they come over there. My mom is in ICU. They walk up. They come into the room. They thank God that they allowed it back then. If it was now with coronavirus, there's no way they would have been able to get in there. So they come in there. And I don't know what she she told me later, but she whispered something in my mom's ear. Tina's my my mother-in-law, which I love very very much. She whispered something in my mom's ear, and the next day they called me. Actually, I was at one of my very very close friend. Her name is Mitra Espari. I was in their restaurant. They had a. She's one of my agents now. But back then she had a restaurant, and I never forget it because the next day I'm in her restaurant and I'm having lunch because I would always go there to have lunch. They made the best kubi there, so I'm having lunch and 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 I get a, a phone call and then you know actually her um her, her husband um he he would always make me this Persian tadik. So he told me, hey, come in the back. I'm gonna, I got this tactic made for you. So I went in the back and I'm talking to him and in my phone, I noticed I had a missed call and I pick up the phone and I listen to the message and they say, your mom just passed away. And, you know, again, I dropped and I started crying and, you know, Mitra and her, and her husband, you know, they helped me and they, you know, and I'll never forget that. That's why they're so near and dear to my heart. So then, um, and then I went to the hospital and, and the day before my mom passed away, actually, the night before, um, because of what had happened in 2008 with the market crashing and everything, and me always wanting to come from contribution, I had actually started a, um, a, a TV show on the Persian network, and it aired across the country and around the world, and we had over 40,000 views. And actually, the night before, I would, did my first air, and then the next day, it, my mom passed away. That's why for some of you, if you ever... Uh, see the intro of that, uh, my show, it was called Secrets of Money. If you ever see the intro, like the beginning intro, you will see me and Tina, we're wearing, we're, we're wearing um, you know, um, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, she had already passed. That's right, a week later she passed, we're wearing all black. So anyways, um, my mom passed away and, and I started this, you know, um, a, a live show that went across the country around the world and and I was able to help hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people save their homes. You know, um, throughout, you know, um, we, we used to bring on hot counselors. We used to bring on bankruptcy attorneys. I mean, our, our lives changed forever. I mean, it was a financial disaster 
right? So for the next five years, that's all I did. So I didn't really focus on my real estate. All I did was just do these seminars and help my community. And, and, um, and then, and, you know, I never forget in 2012, in 2012, I had a gentleman that came to my event with his father and he sat there and most of these events, like, you know, like I said, we had all these uh, people that would come, but we didn't charge like, you know, there, I know there was companies out there that were charging three, four, five thousand dollars to do a loan modification. We didn't do that. I wanted to build my name in my community. I wanted to build my name within the Persian community. So we created these events and then um, people would come and I remember forget uh, this gentleman's son comes up to me and says, why are you doing this? Why are you not charging? And I said, hey, you know what? I, I want to come from contribution. I, that's the way I was raised. I just want to give back because I know, I know it will come back. I know it will. And, and, you know, obviously, and obviously I had some money on the side that we had been buying and selling houses. So I was able to survive, but, um, but he, and, you know, and his father had only one week before losing his house, only one week within one week, his dad was going to lose his house. So his father comes to the office. I sat I looked at his numbers. I said, look, you need this income. You have to be able to prove this. This, you need to have a hardship letter. Go see a HUD counselor. And he was able to go. He was able to save his home. And his son came and became my agent. Actually, his son, you know, by him being uh, coming and joining me, is that's when it triggered me to say, you know what? Now I think I'm ready to build my team and build my real estate team. So he came on board. And then after that, obviously, I started building my, my real estate team. And, you know, you know, obviously, of course, I was already married. You know, me and my wife, we got married in 2010. Uh, my son was born in 2012. And then, you know, I started building my team. And then um, fast forward, you know, my daughter was born in 2015. And then, um, and then 2000, 2020, that's right, 2020, you know, um, we had a really, really good year. 2020, we started hearing this word, coronavirus, 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 right? And then I'm like, what the heck is this coronavirus, coronavirus? And, and, and I never forget, um, you know, um, I was expanding my home in Pleasant Hill and it was March 17, 2020. Uh, the gentleman came in, he signed off on my expansion and he said, you're the last person we're signing up. As of today, as of tomorrow, we're going into lockdown. So for the next week, I sat, you know, I kept thinking to myself, oh my God, here we go again, repeat of 2008. But this time is not just a financial world that's collapsing. I mean, this is, it, it's our, our lives, right? I mean, you got a virus that can kill people. So then I started thinking again, you know, I looked up in the, in the, in the sky and I said, mom, you know, help me out here. You know, what should I do? And I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking. And then on March 25th, 2020, I sat right here with this back, with same setup behind me, right? Without the 1971. The reason I have that hat up there right now, because this is my, this year is my 50th birthday. So I just bought that hat a couple of weeks ago. But uh, yeah, so anyways, um, so I sat here and I'm like, I'm going to create something. I don't know what to do, but I knew that the real estate, uh, the, the, the restaurant businesses were struggling. A lot of them got shut down. I'm like, you know what? I got to come from contribution. What can I do? What can I do? So I sat here and I created a Facebook group called In and Around Pleasant Hill Food to Go Under COVID-19, right? 
I created the group and I just started sending invites to all my family and friends. I woke up the next day, we had 600 people, right? We had 600 people and I just kept growing it and growing it. And I'm like, guys, do me a favor, just post on here. And then I started saying, hey, who wants me to come and interview their restaurant? And one of the first people that I actually interviewed was a Thai restaurant right here in Pleasant Hill. She was my client. Um, so, you know, she had, we had just bought her a house a year before. So I wanted to start with helping her out. And then a week later, I get a phone call from Channel 2. They said, hey, we've noticed that, you know, you, you created this Facebook group and it's wonderful. We want to come interview you. And I'm like, well, that's wonderful. But then I'm like, wait a minute. I really don't think I need the exposure to you for you to come and interview me in my real estate office. Why don't we go to to these folks that really need that exposure? And they go, sure, who do you want to go to? So I started thinking like which restaurants? And I said, you know what? Let's go to um, you know, one of the restaurants that you know a lot of people know around here is Wise Girl. Let's go there. And then he said, do you have anybody else? I said, I think there's one across the street called Slow Hand Barbecue. So we went out there and we, they interviewed them. They interviewed me. I woke up the next day. We went from 1,300 people to 2,500 people. And then it just kept going up and up and up. And then when we got to 3,000, that's when I said, you know what, guys, for every 1,000 members that join our group, I'm going to be donating to Food Bank because it was so sad. The monument crisis, the Food Bank, I mean, even now, but it's gotten better than, thank God. But when you went out to Monument Crisis right here in Concord, there was a line around. I mean, it was amazing, like how long these lines were. And what that proved, again, how our lives like this can shift, right? Like this, we can lose everything. Like this, our lives could be upside down. And, and, I, and, 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 and again, I spent so much time. And to this day, I'm still spending so much time, so much time interviewing i've probably interviewed over 125 restaurants in the last year okay and constantly doing gift cards and promotions and all these other things and bringing our community together so the whole purpose of that facebook group um is to one support our local restaurants but to bring the community together because I believe in only coming from contribution and being positive. You have to be able to impact people's lives, right? And you can do that by influencing people, you know, because when you leave this world, all you leave behind is your legacy. What did you leave behind? Did you only serve yourself or did you serve yourself your family, and also your community. And that's what I want. So, and I was honored in December of last year. And before, before they nominated me with the hometown hero, I never forget one day my son came up to me and he said, dad, because he would come up to me every day and say, hey, dad, we're at 5,000 people now. I'm so proud of you. And then one day he came up and he's like, dad, I am so proud of you for what you've done. He's eight years old, right? Dad, I am so proud of you for what you've done. When I grow up, I want to be just like you. And when he told me that, it changed me even more. So then I said, thank you, son. I mean, that to me was priceless. That to me, that to me, you can't match that with all the money in the world. That your own son comes to you and says, Dad, when I grow up, I'm going to be like you. So then in December of 2020, I was notified that, hey, you've been nominated to, you know, win the, um, you know, Hometown Hero, the Good Neighbor Award. 
and they nominated me and they awarded me and it was the greatest feeling in the world and i'm so grateful to pleasant hill chamber of commerce for you know um nominating and awarding me with that and that even inspired me to even want to do more now so what we've done is you know obviously for all our schools you know as many as i could um you know especially the ones that i went to as a child you know we were able to go to the schools and i was able to provide lunch for them and also our nurses you know again coming from contribution giving back to your community um and 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 it just it just it just has been a great 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 feeling to be able to do that so now and and then also in the last year you know interviewing 125 130 different restaurants um also i've interviewed other people that were not restaurants and um I, I got to hear their stories and their stories are so inspiring. But unfortunately, with the Facebook group that I created, that was just like, hey, what are your operating hours? You know, uh, tell me about you. How long have you been around that? But, I, you know, I wanted to do more and I wanted to be more than just restaurants. I wanted to expand to all our local businesses. Right. And I want to go deep into their stories. I want to know their story. I want to know their struggles, right? Some of them, maybe they don't have any struggle, but I want to make sure that their stories are influenced, that influential. I want to make sure they can influence other people, right? And I also want to make sure that it's educational, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to be interviewing different, um, businesses and you know variety of businesses you know i'm going to interview restaurants i'm going to interview um lender i'm going to interview an attorney i'm going to interview the owner of a mechanic shop right i just want everybody to you know to see these folks their stories like and and, and what they went through like the struggle like where where did they go through, you know what struggle did they go through to get to where they're at now you know they say you know success is a journey and not a destination right it's like it's that journey it's that process like what do you do and not i'm not saying that everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur no not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur you know some people they want to have a job nine to five that's fine but at least they can still take away from that um education so these these podcasts that are moving forward is to help you go from you know where you're at to where you want to be not that you have to go open a business. Let's say you want to buy a house, but you don't know the home buying process. We educate you on that, right? You still hear their inspiring stories, but then you also take away from the educational part of it too. Or let's say you want to uh, buy a business, or let's say you want to, you know, uh, uh, create a living trust, right? You know, um, we, 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 I, I want, I want it to be inspirational. I, I want, you know, like again, motivation is very temporary. I want, I want to come from inspiring and I want these stories to be very, very inspirational. So, um, do me a favor guys, and, um, moving forward with our episodes, make sure you're listening in and subscribing and even sharing with someone you think that might benefit. Uh, from our story and being able to inspire them also too. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, definitely, if there's any comments, I want to hear your comments. And I appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to listen to my first podcast and many, many more on the way. Take care. Bye-bye.